3: For those of you just waking up on the West Coast, playoff P finally showed up. Uh, Paul George came out, rolled through alongside of his teammates on the Clippers with uh, the Mavericks going down in uh, in just a crushing fashion. I know Chris Stapp's Porzingis didn't play, but this felt much like the destruction that we've seen the Lakers suddenly put on the Trailblazers Luca Legend may have to wait a year or several years to come back to the moment that he had in game four where he stepped back and drained three, scored 43 points, 17 rebounds, I think, 13 assists. Uh, this series feels over. Let me bring in the crew, see if they agree. Do you agree with me that effectively we're playing out the thread? It was going to be the Clippers against the Lakers. It's still going to be the Battle of L.A., I think to win the NBA title in the Western Conference Finals. Do you agree?
4: Yeah, I agreed with you on this yesterday because after a team wins with a big shot like that, they normally have a letdown.
3: I could. How good of a stat did you see? Yeah, use I saw that, that on, on, on FS1 Law? yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So on my television show, um, I, somebody, one of our researchers, did an incredible job, and I thought it was a, an amazing stat because a lot of times, I think the natural inclination, psychologically at least among fans, and I'll put myself in this category, is to believe that when a team suffers a crushing loss on a basketball last second shot, that the team that makes the shot tends to have uh, more success in the next game and the team that loses tends to have a hangover, right? I think psychologically that's the way we think. In the NBA now, in the last 15 games that have been played, the team that makes the last second shot is 2-13 in the next game. And they've lost by an average of double digits now when you factor in what happened last night. And that in and of itself is a pretty fascinating uh, angle to examine. I bet a lot of people out there, that stat, that they would be 2-13. Again, the team that drains the last second shot is 2-13 in the next 15 NBA games after draining that buzzer beater. Yeah, that's
4: crazy. And you said you went to bed at halftime, so I think you might have missed it, but NBA Twitter went nuts when Marcus Morris, it looks like, intentionally stepped on Luca's injured ankle. Oh, really? Yeah, so you're going to have to pull up the video on that and weigh in, because there was a lot of back and forth people arguing, but I mean, he had lots of, Morris had a ton of space, and he went right so
3: do you think he did it on purpose
4: it sure looks like that I mean they kept playing it back and it looks like he did it on purpose so suddenly Twitter was all about Kawhi went from this friendly Toronto Raptors team to a bunch of you know bad guys who were chirping did Luca react
3: I did I did like I said I when it it was a 25 point game at the half or 24 point game Uh, or whatever it was
4: I mean you know Luca. it's the same way he reacted to Montrez. He took it in stride, it looked like. But there was a lot of um, chippiness in that game. The Clipper bench was loud and obnoxious and jumping up and down the whole time. There was silence on the broadcast because they had to keep, you know, with their delay, they had to take some of the cursing out. The announcers kept pointing it out like, man, do you hear what's going on 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 the court? These two teams hate each other right now.
3: Yeah, I don't don't think there's any doubt at all that there's a lot of uh, disdain going on. So, yeah, I turned it off. Uh, like I just said with Jeff Schwartz in hour two, same thing happened with the uh, the trailblazers against the Lakers. Uh, I got back from dinner. I turned on the game um, and uh, I watched it for a little while. It was halftime, 24-point game. And I'm like, man, you know, when that alarm goes off at 4.30, uh, there's nothing better. I was tired. I just rolled over, went straight to sleep. So I didn't see any of the second half at all um and uh, evidently I missed uh, I missed that. Do you feel like uh, this thing is overdubbed or effectively headed for Lakers Clippers, the Battle of LA for the Western Conference title?
5: Yeah, absolutely. And uh the other series in the West is getting interesting now with the Nuggets and Jazz. The Nuggets able to win last night. So, unfortunately, the Clippers are going to have to play the winner of that series. I think the road for the Lakers is going to be a little easier, but Marcus Morris, I mean, that was absolutely intentional. I agree with Danny G. I mean, that is on, he has the whole court, it's like a fast break opportunity, he has the whole court to step, and he just so happens to step directly on Luka's bad ankle. That was a punk move, I thought, by Marcus Morris. So, uh, And by the way, I think the last thing you'd want to do is give Luka Doncic more uh, fuel to the fire, because we saw what happened last time he got fired up before the game, so I don't know, maybe, maybe this gets him going for another big-time performance in their next matchup.
3: Yeah, I, I tend to think it's over. It seems to me that a lot of these now credit to uh, uh, to the uh, to the Nuggets for forcing a Game Six, and certainly. The Oklahoma City Thunder came back from an 0-2 deficit to get to Game 5, which I think is tonight against the Rockets, if I'm not mistaken. And we'll see what happens in the other side of the uh, of the Western Conference there. But I think whoever wins those games are going to lose to the Lakers and to the Clippers. I don't think it really matters who uh, who those teams are that advance. I know their fans care, uh, but I don't think it really matters. Um, and, uh, and as you look forward, it seems like tonight, I would expect, or this afternoon, I would expect the Magic to just get dominated because a lot of these teams, it feels like when they suddenly realize that they don't have a chance to win the conference or win the series, sorry, they don't really care about what happens in the same way that they would if they were playing in front of their home fans. There seems to be a point of pride, like, hey, we don't want to lose at home to have our season in, the fans are behind us, all those things. I think in the bubble, there's a lot more interest if you feel like you're not going to win the series and just being able to get out of the bubble, right? So I think that the uh, the Lakers and the Bucks are both, and, and and the odds makers are telling us that, right, Dub? Both of those teams are 14-point favorites now. The Lakers are monster favorites without Damian Lillard playing. Uh, the Trailblazers feel like they're kind of playing out the thread, and I think the same thing is going on with the Magic. I would expect both of those series to be over uh, by the time we certainly do the show tomorrow.
5: Yeah, it might be another halftime special with the Bucks and Lakers tonight. <laughs> I think last, I think there's
3: night. I think there's a very good chance uh, that uh, that when I get home, uh, I look at it. The, the Lakers are up twenty uh, over the Trailblazers, and I you know say, okay, there's no point in investing any time in the second half uh, on this one. Uh, what about you, Eddie? Did you spend all evening watching the uh, the NHL? Of course. How many NHL what percentage of NHL playoff games do you think you've seen at least a minute of? All of them? Every single one you think? Yeah.
6: Maybe <laughs> maybe at the very beginning a couple of the early ones for the uh the play-in round because I had to sleep maybe a couple of those, but mo- all all the first round and all the games so far, I've seen at least a little.
3: What bit. would you say, as our resident NHL expert, the overall grade for quality of play you would give the NHL playoffs? Does it feel similar to what the normal playoffs would would uh, would would feel like? From a, I know the fans are not there, and it's obviously a different environment. But in terms of the on the ice play. Does it feel uh, like basically the same as it would in a normal Stanley Cup playoff?
6: Well, I, I, it it started slow, and I think that's to be expected. And then when you had multiple games being played on the same ice surface, you'd have the you know the ice conditions weren't what they would normally be. But even taking that all into consideration, uh, there has been uh, a growing quality of play as it's gone on. Uh, I think it's been a high level. I think it's you know at this point it, it seems just like playoff hockey that you would normally see. Um, so I think it's been really good. I would give it a BB+. B
3: yeah, I mean, it seems like, again, we've been living in this cornucopia of sporting excess for the entire month of August where all the Major League Baseball games, all the NBA, all the NHL, pick your poison, whatever you love. And September, it feels like it's going to be even crazier because we're going to end up with scenarios where you know the Kentucky Derby isn't going to have any crowds present it's kind of wild that Kentucky Derby's going on in what, like, not this weekend, but next weekend, I think, or whatever. I can't even keep up with what, what I, I think, think I'm right next it's weekend, so, right? It's
0: so weird, too, because, like, with no preseason football, it feels like football so far oh, away. It's but, crazy. Yeah, but it's like literally like, what, we're like, what, 15 two
3: days? If, yeah, it's crazy. 15 days. Two weeks from tomorrow, we'll have the game between the Texans and the Chiefs. And you're right. I feel like the NFL is sneaking up on people. Yeah. And I feel like even with hard knocks, People aren't watching Hard Knocks, right? Like usually, no, nobody cares about the charges. Yeah, well, I... I th- my
6: wife is going to be very upset with <laughs> you, Sorry, no, Don't poke the First bear. Second,
3: <laughs> look, I I looked at the the data. Like Hard Knocks usually has around seven hundred and fifty thousand people watching every episode. And uh, like for instance, last year we talked about Hard Knocks was our lead story every day because all the Antonio Brown stuff was going on. Doesn't that feel like ten years ago now? Oh, yeah, no, it does. It does. Like, to go back in time and be like, hey, what was the lead story last year in sports at this time? <laughs> it was Antonio Brown's frozen feet.
4: Remember back when Antonio Brown played in the NFL?
3: I mean, it feels <laughs> like 10 years ago, too. Now we're talking about the Big Ten being canceled for a pandemic as uh, like, is, is like a regular story that we talk about, the Pac-12 as well. Last year we were talking about Antonio Brown's frozen feet and the uh, and the the fact that he took a uh, hot air balloon. Remember, he took the hot air balloon to practice or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and he put, had the videos and secretly recorded phone calls and like that was literally what we talked about every day. And now it really does feel like the Antonio Brown story happened like ten years ago.
4: Oh yeah, I remember scrambling here to get audio clips from the, each show.
3: Yeah, because you're like, oh, I want this part. In play. Well, I mean, it was our lead, right? Yeah, it, it was the behind the scenes for the Raiders, who, by the way, then were playing in California as opposed to Las Vegas, which I feel like I saw you tweet about this, what, what the stadium looks like. Oh, it's so feel, beautiful. Yeah, it looks nice. fantastic. Awesome. And you said, uh, or somebody said, there's no more uh, like dirt <laughs> yeah. running on the infield, which is one of the great lines. Like Randy Moss didn't like to do the routes where he had to run on the dirt, um, which is pretty funny. But now they've got this incredible venue. Same thing is happening in L.A., And there aren't going to be fans present for it at all. So you got the brand new stadium in Inglewood, you got the brand new stadium in Las Vegas uh, for both the Raiders and the Rams and the uh, and the Chargers. But the ultimate outcome here is last year, and obviously last year Antonio Brown I think brought a lot of attention. But around seven hundred and fifty thousand people were watching every Hard Knocks episode. Now it's like two fifty. So only one in every three. And I think part of that is there's just a lot of actual sports going on because usually Hard Knocks is competing in August with only kind of the dog days of the Major League Baseball season. Now they're competing with the NHL playoffs, with the NBA playoffs, with uh, Major League Baseball in a shortened season, which seems to have driven even more interest. So I think all that factors in. But I think to your point, Roberto, it's that a lot of people just aren't – like there's no appetizer to the meal. It's like we're, and I know that people don't like the preseason, but the preseason football is a clear appetizer, for instance, for fantasy football drafts or whatever else. Now it's just like we're sitting down at the table all of a sudden and the meal is going to be there and we're going to be like, oh wait, it's time to eat? Yeah, like football's here. And I think this is crazy. Next week, we're a week away from the college football season kicking off. And I know it's not a huge game on Thursday night, but we've got... Uh, I believe I'm correct in this, South Alabama traveling to Southern Miss in eight days to kick off college football. And oh, by the way, this weekend, we've got a game going on with Austin P against uh, Central Arkansas. Shout out, Scotty Pippen. And so, uh, I, I, do, I mean, like that's going to suddenly emerge. People are going to flip their televisions on. They're going to be like, oh my God, we got college football. And I know even locally here where I live in Tennessee, there's high school football on television now. And the season is underway, and I feel like the argument about whether or not the season was going to happen has been so intense in all these different sports, whether it's high school, college, NFL, that the argument about whether the sport is going to happen has overshadowed the fact that, oh, by the way, yeah, the sport is going to happen, and it's happening sooner rather than later. Notwithstanding some of the idiocy that we're seeing out there, I encourage you to go download the podcast I was teeing off on Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer who's saying she was glad that the the Big Ten canceled and glad that there was going to be no games in high school football and also the idiot mayor of Nashville where I live. This idea of shutting down sports and shutting down schools is completely unsupported by all of the data out there. And I just keep beating this drum because I think it's important for a lot of people to hear it. My seventh grader's in school in person today. My kindergartner's in school. My fourth grader's in school. I'm living the life that the data reflects that I believe others should be as well. What we're doing now is, is basically the equivalent of coming out and saying, hey, DeAndre Ayton was the better draft pick than Luka Doncic. If you are arguing in favor of school, being closed and of sports not happening, you are arguing that Sam Bowie was the better pick than Michael Jordan. There's no statistical data to support your argument that it makes sense for schools to be shut down or from a sports perspective that it makes sense for kids not to be able to play sports this fall. Encourage you to go listen to me uh, tee off. I think it's fair to say I teed off in hour one about idiot politicians not looking at basic data. But if I live in Michigan right now and my governor had the audacity to come out and say she was glad the Big Ten canceled its season and she was glad that all the kids weren't going to be able to play sports this fall, I'm talking about absolute fury raining down from my perspective as a sports fan. I don't see this as partisan. I don't see this as political at all. The fact that football has in any way become connected to politics i I had a conversation i'm gonna talk about this tomorrow on the show because i thought it was an interesting conversation i had a conversation with a buddy who is a super democrat right like super liberal super democrat one of my good friends from law school and he was like hey i think this is crazy but he lives in the state of kentucky and he's like people are criticizing me when i say that we that i think we should be playing high school and college football and we were having the conversation. He said, I never would have believed that being a Democrat meant that I had to be against the idea of playing football. But he's like, here we are. That's where we are right now as a country. If your governor is a Republican, your kids are probably able to play high school football. If your governor is a Democrat, your kids are probably not able to play high school football. How in the world did football become a partisan political issue? It's absolute insanity. Governor Whitmer and people like her in Michigan who are glad the Big Ten was canceled should be ashamed of themselves. They are doing a failed job of leadership. Danny G, make sure we get in the official request. She's going to turn us down, but I want people like her to have to come on this show and explain why they are glad that the Big Ten's not playing and why they are glad that kids are not going to be able to play high school football all over this state. Uh, you can go read and watch her comments at OutKick if uh, if you want to know more about that idiocy from her. This is outkick the coverage with Clay Travis.
0: people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do it yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at oreillyauto.com/2pros. That's oreillyauto.com/2pros.
2: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris that you won't want to miss
3: headed down to the Orlando bubble now where Chris Mannix from SI has been our insider literally on the inside in the bubble Chris how many first of all thanks for getting up with us. second how many more days do you have inside the bubble
8: uh I'll probably bail out sometime in the first couple of weeks September maybe as the second round winds down
3: uh Does it feel like? How would you assess the bubble lifestyle now? Are you still in the exact same hotel room you've been in since you got out of the quarantine?
8: Yeah, I mean, and you get into something of a rhythm down here. Whether it's you know, I go out to the parking lot to to work out, you know, at certain times in the morning, and you know, you go to five hours of practices and then one or two games at night. And you know, for someone that lived in New York for fifteen years, I mean, a three hundred plus square foot. Uh, hotel room is really not all that unusual you know compared to what you know you lived in for for most of my 20s uh so let's go
3: to the games themselves on the court last night i'm assuming that. well first of all how many games are you going to on a day-to-day basis right now
8: it's usually one or two a game uh you know tonight the the rockets and the uh and the thunder game 5 uh is a good one and then uh Maybe the Blazers Lakers, though that is shaping up to be just formality at this point.
3: Yeah. So is the Western Conference? While there may be interesting conference, uh, uh, you know, playoff series going on, like you just mentioned between the Rockets and uh, and the OKC, and certainly between the Jazz and the Nuggets. Does it feel like it doesn't really matter who wins those series because we're headed for an NBA Western Conference Finals between? The Lakers and the Clippers, or do any of the teams that are also left still have a chance to stop that from happening?
8: Yeah, I mean, it it does feel like we're barreling towards that matchup that we we anticipated at the start of all this. Uh, You know, LeBron has has said, and other Lakers have talked about it that you know it's taken them a while to find a rhythm, and you know the the eight seeding games were just not enough. Uh, for them to get back what they had prior to the stoppage, which was you know a team that was playing the best basketball of anybody, but really from game two on, I mean they have been totally locked in. I mean these there have been you know two full games in this series that have been basically garbage time, you know from the opening tip on, uh, and then that's a pretty impressive accomplishment, especially considering you know what they're looking at on on the other side. So they've found that chemistry, and the Clippers. I've often said that. I'm up to the Clippers are going to get better every single game because they came into the bubble with like three healthy guys, three guys who are a part of it. It took them till the, literally the start of the playoffs to have their full complement, uh, in terms of their roster. So you know, every every game that goes by, every practice that goes by, they get an opportunity to you know develop more chemistry and get their guys back on the same page. And you know, we saw last night the, probably the strongest performance by them throughout this.
3: Who should be favored in a Lakers-Clippers series? Assuming that's where we're headed,
8: at this point, I'd probably say the Clippers, but it's not by much. Um, yeah, I say the Clippers because you know when the problem with the Blazers in this series was who was going to guard LeBron James. Uh, the Clippers have an answer to that. They've got one of the best on-ball LeBron defenders in Kawhi Paul George. Uh, you know, we saw him you know get off the snide last night and. You know talk pretty talk pretty emotionally about what he kinda of has gone through uh during his time in the bubble with the kind of loneliness and and depression that he was feeling, but you know it seems like he's uh you know after a game like that he's picked things up i they are just i think if they get through this next round they're gonna be playing even better and I'd probably position them as a slight favorite and you also have to grow into the mix as others have pointed out you know they don't have to deal with you know potentially not having home court advantage for seven games in a series with the Lakers. Do does the NBA want this to be over
3: faster? I've seen some storylines, and certainly we've got the second round starting pretty rapidly with the uh with the Celtics and the Raptors. Looks like we're gonna have two more first round series likely to end today with the Lakers uh probably taking out the Trailblazers minus Damian Lillard, and you would expect also given how well they've been playing the Bucks to go ahead and eliminate uh the Orlando Magic, both of those fourteen point favor, it seems likely. Have you gotten the sense that the NBA might be trying to accelerate a little bit if they can some of these series?
8: I mean, they'll accelerate as many series as need be because you know, they don't want teams, you know, sitting on the sidelines like Boston, Toronto both swept their series. They start uh tomorrow, game two, so or game one. Uh so, I mean, they don't want the Celtics and Raptors hanging out for four or five days. They want to keep the the momentum there going. But, look, I think the NBA would prefer, you know, every series go seven games. I mean, yeah. for no other reason than interest and TV revenue and all that goes into it. Um, it just, the first round has been largely lackluster. I mean, there's been some intriguing, some intriguing, some of these series, have been some great games in these series. But um, it really hasn't delivered at the highest of level with multiple sweeps, uh in the eastern conference and and really not a lot of energy outside of maybe the clippers and the mavericks in the west
3: honestly if luca doesn't hit that step back three 28 footer there's almost nothing that has been that exciting in the first round of the nba playoffs
8: yeah it's it's unfortunate because i you know you, you thought going in there'd be several good matchups even after game one when the bucks uh lost their their opener when the lakers lost their opener you wondered. Might we have you know both those top seeds, uh, you know, throwing a uh, having some issues there, but it, it just hasn't been the case. I mean, I I think the you know it, it's certainly possible that the Jazz and the Nuggets can go down to the wire and play seven games, and you know that's you know that's a really interesting series, but you just don't have you don't have the, the intrigue that I think people expect you to have. There just hasn't been there hasn't been that much competitiveness in that first round. Hopefully, you get to the second. I, I think you will because. I look at Boston, Toronto; those are incredibly evenly matched. Um, I think the Lakers, you know, going up against a team like the Rockets will be fascinating in that second round. It just there's there's a lot to look forward to, but that first round hasn't been very good.
3: What do you hear about the health of Russell Westbrook? I mean, so obviously he's not playing tonight for Game Five there. Uh, in terms of what's going to happen in the series, so if the Rockets were able to get past the uh, to get past OKC, what are you hearing about? what his health would be for a potential second-round matchup.
8: Well, it's really strange to see him sit out this long. I mean, I watch him in kind of these pregame workouts and whatever we get to see at practices, and he's going pretty much full bore. I mean, he's only doing half-court stuff from what I've seen, but he's going pretty hard, and it just makes you wonder, I mean, how healthy does he have to be for them to let him get out there? I mean, the the party line from the Rockets is that the type of injury he has with that quad—if you send them out there too soon—the risk of re-injury at a more significant level is uh, is is difficult. But I mean, you, you watch what the series has been with with Oklahoma City. I mean, they're they're neck and neck with the Thunder right now, and it's clear watching the way this team has struggled at times offensively that Westbrook would be uh, would be incredibly useful as part of it. I mean, it's just—I can't really explain it. I mean, they they haven't given any kind of definitive timetable on his return, and outside of saying, look, we don't want a re-injury, uh, they're not saying much, but Westbrook, I, I mean, say what you want about him. He's one of the most competitive players I've ever encountered. So the idea that he's still sitting on the bench, you know, five games into this series, has uh, got to be killing him, and it's, it's really got to be uh, a major injury for him to have to be, um, have to be out.
3: Do you think that he would be back? I mean, obviously he's an LA guy, um, and so I would think being able to play against an LA team, uh, both he and James Harden, if I'm not mistaken, would be you know really exciting from from their perspective in order to get that competition. Do you get the sense that he's so severely injured that they're kind of playing smoke and mirrors here, and he might not be back in the postseason, or do you think he'd be back in a in a next round? I mean, how not- honest basically are the Rockets being? Do you think?
8: Now, I think they're being. I mean, look. I don't know how long is any team usually is with injuries, but I mean, I just go off what I can see with my own eyes, and that's Westbrook going hard in these workouts and and looking at least in half court sessions that I've seen like you know Russell Westbrook doing all the things that he does uh, during games. So I, I mean, I, I have to believe that he's going to be back at some point, but the fact that he's not playing in a series that's razor close against his former team, which you know he wants to be a part of. That. Yeah. I mean, we've, seen, we've seen footage of him yelling at the Thunder uh, during timeouts on the sideline. I mean, you know he wants to be part of this series. Uh, the fact that he's not been able to get back in, that really – Makes you wonder just how significant this injury is, but just seeing how hard he's going at practices and pregame stuff, it just—it's impossible to believe that he won't be back at some point.
3: Let's go back to Luca for a sec. It looks like the Mavs are, are likely to be eliminated. Certainly, Kristaps Porzingis has not been healthy. Did you think that Marcus Morris intentionally stepped on uh, Luca's ankle uh, yesterday in the second half?
8: You know, it, it sure looked like it. Um, I know Marcus made a pretty impassioned defense of his actions afterwards said he would never do something like that but it's just hard to to watch that footage over and over and and think it's not i mean i've known marcus for for a, a lot of years now he played in boston where i was i'm based but i got to know him a little bit there um i like him but it, you know you we we have to stop you know not believing what our eyes are showing us, you know that he. It looked like he moved towards Luca, stepped on his foot, and it, it looked intentional at that point. I mean, I, the, the idea of guys going after injuries is not a new one. I mean, Pat Riley did it for years. I mean, that was kind of what his one of his M.O.s um, as a coach, especially with the the Knicks and later on uh, the Heat. But I mean, never that never that seemingly obvious and never kind of going for an injury like an ankle usually you see guys bump a guy with a wrist injury or hip injury or force them to play physically when they don't want to that just seemed it just seemed like an incredibly obvious maneuver there so i'd like to give Marcus the benefit of the doubt but i mean I, i've watched that replay probably 100 times in the last uh you know 12 hours it, it sure looks like he uh he did what what it looks like he did
3: uh, we're talking to Chris Mannix at SI. Chris Mannix on Twitter. What was the talk in the bubble after Luka's performance, the triple double? Is he going to be alongside of Giannis in your mind, one of the two best players in the NBA potentially as early as next year?
8: Oh, I think he's. If he's not there already, he's, he'll be there next year. And you know, for for the NBA, which you know badly needs a perimeter player to step up and take the reins of kind of that must watch guy. I mean Luca's it. I mean he's I mean Giannis is a great player, but I don't think Giannis has captivated an audience uh in the same way that you know a Kobe or a LeBron or others have and and become kind of that ratings gold. I mean Luca is is honestly must see TV. I mean people are when when Luca plays you kind of look for him on the dial. I mean it wouldn't surprise me to see the Mavericks playing their twenty five plus national TV games next year uh, because he's exactly what the NBA needs. I mean, a, a charismatic, dynamic, uh, you know, player with flair to his game. I mean, usually you don't see international players take on that kind of mantle of being, you know, the face of the NBA. But I think Luca can can be that guy. He just has that that magnetism, that charisma, and and the talent backs it up. He's 21 years old, doing things like this now. Uh, he gets better every single year, and I think he's going to be in the discussion for MVP. Uh, all next season might even win it and and from there who knows and and as the Mavericks improve and they're going to improve with Porzingis you know healthy next year another piece maybe add to that team and not to look too far ahead but i mean Dallas is going to be in position i believe it's the summer of 2021 to have a lot of money available before Luka gets his next contract they're going to have some financial flexibilities so they can add a big piece to that team and, and make it even stronger before they have to pay Luca all the money he's going to get. So they're they're really going to be a team to watch, and Luca is going to be, uh, I think, the face of the NBA very quickly.
3: How much better can he get when you talk I, to I mean, guys? I mean, I know he's been a pro since he was 17 years old. You compare him, let's say, to Giannis, who didn't play basketball for a long time and has, has obviously gotten infinitely better. Giannis is 25. When Luca is 25, let's say, four years from now, his game can be how much better than it is now?
8: I mean, it can be. I think he can be a little bit better, but just more more polished. And I think where he gets better is his ability to do things that he's doing now. And what I mean by that is, you know, in the first couple of years, he has reshaped his body. Like, he was. One of the criticisms of Luka Doncic coming into the draft was that, well, he doesn't really have an NBA body. It's not He's not strong enough to play and quick enough to play at an elite level. This is what happened with Giannis as he progressed. I mean, he was a string bean when he came to the NBA. Luca was more kind of doughy or soft. Uh, He improved his body in year two, and that's only going to get better as he works with with strength coaches and and NBA coaches in the subsequent years. So I think whether it's playing through contact or playing through the post more, we see him do a lot of that already, uh, trying to post up. Those are the areas of his game, things that he does well right now, that are only going to get better. I don't think he's going to make the kind of leap that Giannis made because Giannis was so raw early on that it took him two or three years to just, you know, identify and come into his own. Luke is already there. But I think what he does now, he's only going to get better at in the years to come.
3: Did NBA handle the bitch-ass white boy Montrez Harrell comment in your mind the correct way?
8: I would have liked to have seen them fine Harrell. Um, I know there was calls for a suspension, but I don't, I mean, it's just, it's just not apples to apples with you know what what Harold says to what, Do, what would have happened if Doncic had said otherwise. Um, I, I know, and I wrote about this. I, what I asked Doc the, the next game, you know, what happened? You know, did you talk to Harold about it? And you know, I know Harold was apologetic. I know we reached out immediately to Doncic, and and we saw the video of them talking before the game. But I, I think with something like that, I mean, the NBA has willingly thrust itself into the gray area of racial sensitivity, like they have they They have to own this, so if they're going to be uh incredibly sensitive about all things race, you have to step forward and and deal with stuff like this so I, I don't think you need to be suspended for something like that, but if they had fined him fifty grand, I think that would have been reasonable instead, they decided you know he was apologetic, and that was enough i mean i i don't I, i'm not all that invested i don 't need to make a mountain out of a molehill, but I think that reacting which in some way would have been the way to go.
3: Anything going to change? I know there was some talk about players sitting out surrounding the uh, additional shooting that happened in Wisconsin. Do you think anything is going to come of that?
8: I don't think there'll be anybody sitting out. But I can tell you from going to three or four practices yesterday, uh, it's a different vibe inside here. It just is. I mean, the, the feeling of these players has sustained dramatically to the point where... You know, just so many of them, who, and look, it might have been, probably was naive for them to think that coming down here, you know, wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts and you know speaking to the media about subjects they care about every single day was going to have an immediate impact on 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 things like what happened, happening. Uh, but you know, they 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 were clearly shaken by what happened and seeing it happen so so clo- so closely to when you know the stuff with George Floyd happened and other things. Had happened, so they're they're definitely rattled. I don't think it gets to the point, though, where guys uh, ultimately decide to sit out. They might try to do some different things, and I know players have talked to upper management about things that teams can do to continue to push the things that they care about. But uh, I, I don't uh, I don't think it's going to rise to the level of sitting out. just you know I, I sat there and listened to Fred VanVleet, and Fred VanVleet's got like a, a tremendous perspective on this because you know his father was gunned down when he was five years old, not by police, but he was gunned down in a drug uh, situation. Uh, and he was raised, his stepfather was a police officer who raised him uh, from, you know, from that from a young age early on and really shaped his life. And just to see him kind of sit there and, and, and say, what are we doing here? Like there's just, there's almost no point for us to be here. That, that really, uh, stuff like that really resonated with me, and I'm sure it resonated with a lot of players uh, that watched it.
3: Thank you for the time, Chris Mannix. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy the games between now and then. You got it, Clay. That's Chris Mannix at SI. Chris Mannix, this is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
0: people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com 2Pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2Pros.
2: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss.
3: You guys out there know that I am fighting against cancel culture with everything I've got. People make mistakes. Also, we got to absolutely have a little bit thicker skin, not be offended by everything. Look at what happened at the University of Missouri uh, yesterday. Uh, Over the weekend, this story kind of popped, I believe. A highly respected and beloved professor at the University of Missouri was talking to his students remotely. This is what he said. He's now been relieved of all of his teaching duties for this. This is a real story. Listen to that University of Missouri professor here.
0: Um, anyone else from outside the United States? And uh, and where are you from? China. China. I've heard of China. <laughs> where Where are you
3: from in China? Actually, Wuhan. Wuhan. <laughs>
5: Let me get
3: my mask on, okay? Hold on. That is a professor who's beloved at the University of Missouri making a joke because one of his foreign students said he was from Wuhan, and his immediate response is he's trying to make a joke. He's trying to make light of introducing all of his students. He says, let me get a mask. If you've been living under a rock, that is literally where the virus began. It's clearly a joke about that. They relieved him of his teaching duties for that, and he may well end up being fired for that joke. Later in that same discussion, by the way, the professor said, I know you can't go back home. If you need somewhere to stay or need to get away, uh, I've got an extra bedroom in my house for the kid. How crazy is that, that for that joke, he would be investigated? Let's go around the horn quickly. Danny G, is this insanity?
4: Insanity. If you could cancel and fire people for bad jokes, any of us who have ever touched a microphone <laughs> would be fired.
3: Or or made a joke. What about yeah. you, Dub? How crazy is this?
5: 20 out of 10 on the insanity scale.
3: 20 out of 10. I agree. Roberto, I mean, this is absurdity, right? Yeah. Eddie, too? Absolutely. I mean, this should be, I think... Uh, a situation where the University of Missouri should apologize to the professor, but also the students who complained about this joke should get in trouble. Like, we need to start punishing people who can't handle a basic joke there. I probably would have laughed. That's a decent on-the-spot joke. I think it's clearly not designed to ridicule the student or anything else. Grow up, get some thicker skin, you college losers. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
2: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics,
1: Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know
7: about his wife, artist Lee Krasner?